There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, welcome to the 406th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Reese Miles Thomas and Kevin O'Brien. I'm Matt Enlow. And I'm Warren Kaplan. And today we are doing our 2024 New Year panel. We have three amazing directors joining us. And on a very special episode of Just Shoot It, we have our editor, Noah Bayshore, and our producer, Tyler Small, also joining us, which is really cool. Um, our directors are Roxy She, Carlin Hudson, Maureen Barucha, all previous guests. We all love them very much. Maureen, if you haven't listened to her episodes, was a longtime director on Jimmy Kimmel. She's now just directed uh, Pitch Perfect, I think, this past year. She did a couple movies. She had a South By movie a couple years ago. She's uh, moving and shaking and doing a lot of cool things in TV and she film. She had two South By movies. She had, she had like consecutive South oh, By both movies. Both their movies? Planet South yeah. By? Crazy. Yeah. Uh, another South By alum, Carlin Hudson. She is a writer. She's a member of the Writers Guild. She's a striker. She wrote a movie for Netflix. She has made a few features. She directs a ton of commercials for Imposter, the production company, um, and others. And is uh, like, the, like the honorary co-host of the show. Yeah, yeah. And we have Roxy She, who has also been on many episodes who you met as a producer, but recently making a lot of awesome things. Yeah, she's been directing longer than she's been producing, I would say, at this point. In the past few years, she's been 100% directing. And teaching, which is new. And teaching, yeah. She's made quite a few other features. She directed TV episodes. She did an Eli Roth anthology show. And I believe she beat both of us out for a horror digital series back in the day. That's true. For for Shudder, I want to say. Yeah. So yeah. she is awesome. It's a fun episode. It's a fun chat. We talk about our goals for this year. We talk about how we think the landscape has changed. I poo-poo on everyone's uh, philosophical ideas. Uh, and Matt grimaces a lot um, whenever I say anything. But you won't be able to see that on the podcast, mm-hmm. unfortunately. <laughs> and he is doing feel it right it. now. You, you feel it. You, you can sense feel it. it. Yeah. Basically, the subtext is, you know, someone will say like something beautiful and um, heartfelt and Orin is secretly thinking, but what about money? (laughs) Yeah. Or like, (laughs) is that really sustainable? Or are you really happy for your friend that took your job? Come on, let's be real here. Uh, I will say we have listener Matt Yuri emailed me recently, another talented director and DP. uh, And he was telling me that listening to our podcast, whether we're Excited about our wins or bummed about our losses makes them feel less alone as a filmmaker. Um, and so I do think, I think whether we're happy or sad, complaining or excited about our new found strategies to do this insane job, 
I think I'm, I think people appreciate it and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at justshootitpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at justshootitpod and DM us, tag us, tell us stuff because we want to we want to hear about whether you're getting anything out of this. And it's 2024. We started the podcast in 2015, almost a decade. You better be ready for our 10 year anniversary. Oh my goodness. We better have something good by then. If you want to keep the show going though, and help us prepare a little bit more, help, um, help keep the show alive, paid for, uh, we pay Noah to edit the show. It takes a lot of time to, to put the show together. And, um, so if you go to patreon.com slash just shoot it pod to drop us a couple bucks, that would really be appreciated. Now's a good time of year to do it. You know, you get started again, a buck, four bucks, five bucks, 10 bucks. You know, we're looking for something that you probably wouldn't notice or feel. And it will go a long way towards just making this show. So if you get anything out of it, if you find any value in it, um, consider throwing us a couple bucks. Well, without further delay, let's hop into our 2024 new panel with Roxy, Carlin, and Marie, and Tyler and Noah. And Matt. And Oren. Yes. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome to the 2024 New Year panel, where we talk about the new year. Because we've already talked about the old year. We've got... <laughs> Goodbye, 2023. Hello, 2024. We've got an awesome group of people. We have uh, awesome directors. First time guest, Carlin Hudson. Okay, shut up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, Carlin is a director and writer. It's been on many times. Thanks for coming, Carlin. We've got. Uh, I regret it already. Skeptic, <laughs> Woo, famous skeptic, Roxy She. 
<laughs> I hate everything. What's up, guys? Um, and we have fabulous director that can't, isn't allowed to talk about anything she's doing right now. Maureen Barucha. Thanks for coming to the podcast. Um, and Welcome. we also Maureen have our- does me mysterious in Gaelic, so I have to like oh, move up to my name. Mysterious cool. Definitely. And we have uh, Noah Bayshore, our editor is on also. Hey, Noah. And we have Tyler Small, our producer. Wearing a just shoot it hat. Hello. How you like that? Thanks for joining us. We um, we just wanted to talk about uh, the new year. You've all been on the podcast before, so we can skip our backstories and let's talk to Carlin. What's happening? Twenty twenty four. Oh. What do you think I'm about? Up. Um. What do you think about directing this year? Has it changed? Hold on. You have to offer her a bottle of water first, Warren. <laughs> Is that so what are you into? What are you doing? Um, well, I'm from a town in Texas. Uh, wow. You know, I'm not even, I read your email and I don't even know that I'm prepared to answer this because if we've learned anything, we've learned not to expect anything at all. Right. It's like, yeah. Every year has been a weird year, but the past few years. So what's normal anymore? I don't know what normal is. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. But know, do you I, think maybe that is what's normal? Like, right. uh, you know, I, I might have talked about this before. We had um, Rebecca Niles, who's the EP at, at the production company I work with on the podcast. And when I when she was, you know, convincing me to join the production company, I was like, well, I'm at this other company and it's really slow right now and there just isn't a lot of work. So obviously they aren't getting me a lot of jobs. And she said, uh, she's like, when things aren't slow, it's everyone can get you a job and you can get yourself jobs. You don't even need a production company or reps. You know, it's like good reps are the people that can get you jobs when things are slow, when things are weird, when there's a pandemic, when there's a strike. Um, Like that's like when, you know, is like our time to shine and I don't know about you guys, but since I moved to LA, I've never had like a ye- an easy year where everything right. was like <laughs> super normal and like went exactly yeah. as expected. I mean, yeah. to be fair, though, yeah. I think we've been all we all, all been reading a lot of headlines. Like, you know, I think the Hollywood Reporter called it the worst f- year for filmmakers of a generation. Right? Yeah. Like this is mm. like a, an exceptionally hard year for people. Um especially if you're impacted some way by the strike right i think like that's a the the pandemic made things rough and then uh, so i'm trying to remember like last year were we thinking about the strike at this during this conversation i don't think so i don't think so no i think it was like november that like things were shutting down so probably it was like end of the summer that the rumbles of like things are gonna it's gonna be bad sure yeah Mm. yeah you know but also wait carlin are you wga i forget Yes. Yes, I am. So you're the only one of us that actually was in a striking union Ooh. position. Ooh. Well, well, let me tell you, it was awesome. It was really cool. <laughs> um, it definitely needed to happen. And I think, uh, yeah, it was, it was not that you've asked my opinion, but yeah, yes, yes, I, I, I am union proud. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you think- not only was it hard for filmmakers to get through this past year with the longest strike in like filmmaking history, but also being millennials and being so anxiety crippled, like those just double fisting 
like those two burdens <laughs> this past year has just been so overwhelming. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I, I just think that the past couple of years we've been so desensitized, you know, and we've, I mean, my January is always surprised. I'm sorry. You haven't even asked me how, what, I, how I'm feeling it or, but I'm just answering for you. Um, but like, I've always felt very depressed during the start of the year because things are so slow and blah, blah, blah. And the, and the reason why it feels different this year is I think collectively I was just like enough is enough. The industry is like so eager to get things back and starting, yeah. you know, so many exciting phone calls are already happening. The most I've had, I've had like so many calls these past two days versus like how much I would get in a month in the past few years, you know? Awesome. So something's shifting y'all. Yeah, I feel I feel like that too. I feel like there's like, yes, the past few years have been so much of like push and pull or like don't you can't really count on anything. But yeah, was was it kind of always that way, but it's just more of an extreme version now? Or I I actually feel like I'm more hopeful actually going yeah. into 2024 because I think yes, it was really difficult. I think it was worse. The strike was worse than the pandemic because at least during mm-hmm. the pandemic there was some work here yeah. and there or like you're like it's gonna come back and then like the strike to me was like things will never be the same and I don't think they ever will be the same but I actually think in a way they've cut back so much and they've pruned back so much that to me what I keep thinking of is that that means that there's only room for growth mm-hmm. that like only good stuff can grow in its place because it's been pruned so hard and so in some ways I think maybe people that are like us and that are like listening to this podcast are the people that are going to thrive because I think, and I, when I say dinosaurs, I mean, that could be, you could be young or old and be a dinosaur, that mentality. I actually think that like coming out of the pandemic, I keep calling it the pandemic, the strike. <laughs> it kind of is the pandemic right? too. <laughs> yeah. I know, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Is that I think actually people that can deliver things that look good on a lower budget, that can pivot, that can like think fast on their feet are going to be the ones to be successful. Mm-hmm. And kind of the old way of thinking of like the slow moving studio where you have all the money, those people aren't going to be able to be nimble like we are. And the new people coming in are going to have a harder time. So yeah. I actually think this like middle area where people have more skills in more areas are actually going to be, maybe there's like a renaissance. That's what I am hopeful for. But do you think that's true? Like, I feel like ever since I started working in Hollywood, you know, like 15 years ago, people are like, well, it's like, like the old people don't know how to work with small budgets. And that's where you come in. You're can be do everything. You're like a one man band. I think that's Um, definitely true. That's definitely true. We've yeah. But I feel like it feels really true now. Because of because of so many different like not to be like TikTok, but like tick there's like so many more outlets and I feel like these these big studios are seeing that like I think we had such a influx of like stuff. We just had garbage. We just like make, 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 nothing gets a chance to survive. And now that they've pruned back everything, I do think maybe that show that they've tried to do a million times with the same kind of guy isn't gonna work. Because yep. it hasn't worked. Right, but like Vince Gilligan or Michael Bay or these people that are the ones that have the biggest budgets in the world, they're not going anywhere. It's not like they're the ones getting pruned. The people getting pruned are the people that are like getting one episode of TV a year, getting two commercials a year, you know, getting... See, I think it's the people that are getting like 15 episodes of TV because I've heard so many of that old school guard being like, I used to get 12 to 15 episodes a year. And you're like, dude... Like, what about the generation below you that gets like a couple a year? Like, to put some of the fucking pie back. Like, yeah. Yeah. so I think yeah, you're always going to have those big tentpole guys. But 
even that I think is like showing that like, you can't count on them to give you a hit either. No. The Calvary you know? is not coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like Calvary is not coming. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I think it is the same old story, but something does feel different. I think there yes. is a real shift. I, yeah. I think there, there is the flip side also of like, unfortunately there's a lack of mentorship and training grounds. You know, I think there's yeah. a lot of talk about that lately. And so there's a generation of filmmakers that we're going to have to figure out what to do who haven't had the opportunities to work with a medium or moderate size crew, right? Like the, the, the funnier die or college humor or just a branded content. Those, those places where you could first have a crew of like 10 or 15 people and like have a budget and have a client and like learn in a lower stakes environment, that stuff has gone away. And so I mm-hmm. think that's the other part of uh, the equilibrium swing. It's like that, that old guard, those dinosaurs can't operate. And the people who came up scrappy, I think can. And then if you're just like an incredible filmmaker on TikTok, you're left in the lurch because <laughs> because you know yeah. the the act of filmmaking is you know running a small company as much as it is knowing where to yeah. put the camera. I also think like out the gate of this like strike the the again when I again when I say dinosaurs I don't mean age I just mean like men, like mentality of like how you shoot. I think they are going to get most of the jobs. I think you're seeing it now. There's still like a fight for like the couple jobs that are around. But if you look at like TV for example, like there aren't a lot of shows that have been greenlit, so they're not like a lot of new shows. There are already shows that like went down during the strike or they were about to go into production. So you're seeing them still get the jobs at this moment. But I do think that like people will drop out, like there's going to be those opportunities. I just, I think it's, it's going to be harder and it's going to be more competitive for a bit, but also like maybe I think it's going to be competitive in a good way where it's like, we've seen that story a million times. What new thing are you bringing to the table? What new perspective? I think the things that like probably women and people of color have been told, the whole time is like, well, what makes your perspective of it's like we're all in the same boat now, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, how do you tell something that's different that we haven't seen? I do totally agree that it is like I think Tyler, you know, who just moved to LA very recently, is this is a good time to kind of get into the industry, like the whole like buy low, you know, sell high. Like a lot of people kind of, you know, I I think couldn't survive like the last year, right? And decided to like change careers and decided like, oh, this thing I thought, you know, I did. 28 episodes of scrubs or what, or seasons of, you know, like, and all of a sudden I can't get a job to save my life and pay my mortgage. And you're no Superman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I came to LA during the last writer's strike. So that's why it felt really, that's when I started. I came out of like traumatizing reach triggering. Yes. It was like, this is a weird full circle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. But it yeah. was like a great time to start. Like, cause you're like, people are out in the street, people kind of connected again. And you're like, people, like, let's make shows. Oh, I haven't seen you in a long time. Like, I think like the community got stronger. And that's what I feel like feels the hopeful part is that mm. the community and the bonds of like what we're doing in this industry, making art, telling stories, t- like that got stronger. I'm curious, just like Brass Tacks, Maureen, I, I follow you on Instagram and everyone else should. And I saw, you know, you spent a lot of time kind of like on the like on the picket lines and kind of going to different things and standing with WGA and SAG and stuff. I'm curious. And I know that you've booked, you have a bunch of fun things coming up um, this year already. Like, do you think that your time spent like on the picket lines kind of 
re-meeting people, like meeting people, like just kind of being part of the community is, was like helpful in any of this stuff, like career wise. I'm not, not I mean, in like, like, like yeah. I know people like think of this as like a way. thing, but I, I mean, it as yeah. a good thing, you know? I think like, yes, I think, like, I think why it was positive. It was, I feel like I wasn't out there being like, I'm going to go meet all these writers and, and talk to them about like craft. Cause I think some of my writer friends were being like, Oh no, like some people were doing that. I think for me, it was more like, I would see where my friends were and be like, oh, I haven't seen them in a while. Let me go to that, that where they're picketing or like, you should meet this person. Like I was actually connecting friends that were out on the strike lines that didn't know each other. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you should meet this person. They're over at CBS. You're over at CBS. And that was just like fun. And it ended, and I would go for like an hour or two hours. And, and I think it did help. I think it was like, also it was important, especially if you're working in TV, I don't know why more directors weren't out there because writers are our coworkers. So you're like, even though we weren't the the DGA wasn't striking, which is totally fine. I was surprised that I didn't see more directors out there supporting some of their writer friends or their coworkers that, you know, you work together in TV in such a close way. Well, Carlin, you, like we said, are one of the only people here that was, is in a union that was striking. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like it affected you? I mean, I know as a commercial director, you still worked a lot in 2023. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I really am hoping I'm like thrilled to hear Roxy and Maureen and I'm, I'm hoping to take that positivity, but I don't, from a writing standpoint, think it's so great yet. I think that the second half, my prediction, if I were a gambling woman would be that the second half of the year might be better. I think the first half is going to be pretty rough. Um, Mm -hmm. The good news is I think that a lot of us like not many writers that I know of actually wrote specs during the strike. I mean, some perhaps did, but I, it was so stressful, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, no one is super creative when you're like, how the fuck am I going to pay my rent or mortgage? You know, it's not like a comfy time in which mm-hmm. to be creative and free and think of these really cool new ideas. Yeah. You're but, not fun employed. You're right. I had writer's block during the whole strike. Right. Me I had too. Writer's block. I, yeah. I, I eked out a shitty draft of something, which, you know, is, is a first as a vomit draft, but now I feel like I have some mental space to like dig back into a new project. So I don't know. Maybe that's maybe other writers are doing the same. I know a few that are, but um, yeah, I think until April, May, we don't. I don't really know. They're just seeing where budgets are. They're yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm not super super positive, but I'm not like doom and gloom. I think like this is still a billion dollar industry. Like there's still there's still many millions of billions of people. You know, in 2024 money billion dollars is actually pretty small right right so there's still there's still demand trying to for manifest this stuff. a billionaire so that i don't have to work anymore <laughs> so if any of you know one please. a billionaire so see, you i want a billionaire so i get to work more. Yeah, yeah, sure. right. yeah there you go yeah okay that's so, a little different maureen i <laughs> yeah roxy cool. is working yeah. but Great. crocheting is a, just a different industry it's a different deal you know as directors we often are brought on later in the the process in the workflow, mm-hmm. right? Like somebody has to pitch and sell, and then develop, and then get a pilot greenlit before we're involved. Mm-hmm. So, um, but there were a lot of think pieces about how we thought that everyone was going to write an incredible spec, and then as soon as right. the strike was over, we were all going to everyone was going to sell everything, and there was going to be this glut of awesome new content, and that didn't happen, right? Yeah, um, and. You know, people are pointing figure, fingers every which way. It sounds like you've kind of internalized all that, and you 
is it that you think that people are still, like you were saying before, figuring out budgets or like walk us through that a little more? Yeah, I think um, newsflash, I'm not an economist, but I'm about to talk about the economy because I think that this, this is, is all... financial advice. Okay, great. Um, Warren has given me some bad financial advice, so do not listen to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's only buy the Tesla. Okay, so I think what is happening in the economy and the box office and all of these things are coinciding with our industry having a contraction, right? So it's not like we're working in a vacuum. We're also in a in an economy that is recovering and that is doing better than people thought that it would. But it's like that we. But there's even though the economy is doing okay and inflation is down, we still have this feeling that things mm-hmm. are terrible. And that feeling is also making its way into the executive suites. And so they're nervous. You know, we see this in commercials too. It's like, it's not like the, it's not like there's not actually money out there, but there's this hesitancy to spend it. And that's what I feel. In the same way that you're not an economist, none of the executives are either. Do you know what I mean? So it's all based on just a gut feeling. Also not creatives usually. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm hopeful that that once sort of like the dust settles and like after Sundance, you know, we're always looking like what sells at Sundance, what sells at South, but you know, hopefully also, I, I don't know. I, I just think there's still like a little bit of uh people are dipping their toes back in the water, but they're slowly making their back way back in and it's going to be a slow process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, This is my mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah. It feels yeah. like people are also like unsure about whether or not they want to commit, right? Like mm-hmm. everyone's newly right. single. And they don't mm-hmm. want to get hitched right away, right? Totally. Yeah, we've all gotten a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you listen to the town, the uh, the podcast, they're pretty much like it. See, their view is like none of these companies make any money. You know, <laughs> like I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> doesn't make any. And so, well, nobody has. Netflix cable, is you know? making money. Everyone's just gambling. Oh, here's the thing: I do think, like, I'm hoping for that, like. We talk about this a lot at DGA stuff is like having windows come back. And I think you are seeing mm, that yeah. happen. And that's how money will come back in where it's like, if shows have windows on certain platforms, and they sell to other platforms, or if we have a theatrical, and now you're seeing like, oh, there is a benefit to have it in a theater for a run. It's like, oh, wow, that old model worked. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. crazy. you know, having it go to syndication on another <laughs> right. platform, like, right. oh, my God, I can make money again. So I think you're slowly seeing that happen. And so that I think is a way to like, bring back some of the industry and ways that the industry can make money off of creative things. Yeah. Do you guys know and Tyler, do you guys go to the movie theater ever? Yeah. I had like those movie pass. And so I would go like once every two weeks, but you had no, movie uh, pass like three years ago. <laughs> it's, back. No, it's back now. It's yeah. Oh. It's different. Our AMC it's has one. AMC. Yeah. I don't know how they make money on that thing. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. I'm going to the movie every week. I love it. Yeah. I think it's all concessions. Oh, you are Carlin. Oh uh, yeah, I go to AMC all the time. I love AMC. Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what about you, Noah? I guess I'm just I'm asking because I feel like your generation doesn't really go care to go to the movies that much. And like for this me, is you know, selecting group though, like they they work on. Yeah. Um, you are wearing a hat that says PG thirteen on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's cool. You know what, what's, you know what actually makes me think of this too is like again, I the movie that I made the print is finally got sold and it's going to get distribution it's going to come out theatrically but what's really kind of fun right. is i had gone to the john waters exhibit i don't know if anybody has <sighs> gone to that in Wacoma. it's yeah, so good but it was like what it made me kind of remember was like oh back in the day you're like 
they had those event midnight movies, right? Like mm-hmm. Pink Flamingos was that midnight movie, Eraserhead. And it's like, mm-hmm. it was funny because right before I was like, gosh, we need to bring back those of like, that's kind of what Barbenheimer was, but it doesn't always have to be the big, huge studio movies. Yeah. And so I'm like, maybe there will be, and that's kind of how our movie sold is to like a smaller place that does theatrical fun event style theatrical awesome. releases. And so I kind of have, and it was again, hope that maybe that's going to be, because people want to go to, even though we are streaming and we're on TikTok and we're on stuff, I think you're always going to want to do an event or like some experience, you know? Yeah. And so hopefully maybe movies can be more experiential. Yeah. Um, than just going to the mall and going to a movie on a Thursday night, you know? Yeah. So Noah, you do go to, to the movies? Yeah, I go, I try to go a fair amount. Like we have like a, like an AMC around here and like a, it's like celebration cinema. And I'd go there for, the A24 movies type stuff that like come out and then like whatever kind of bigger blockbuster type of thing that seems decent. But we have like a, an art house theater in Grand Rapids here and they like always do like niche, like kind of artsy older movies or like fun kind of movies, like when Harry met Sally and stuff. And I've been lately going to places like that. That's like more kind of, it's cool. It's cheaper. And there's like more of like a community of people that like care it's yeah. not just like going to a movie theater on a Thursday. It's like everyone is around after and talks about it and stuff. I guess you guys ruined my theory and Matt was, but maybe Matt's right that this group of people happens to go to the movie. But I do think <laughs> like I hear of <laughs> filmmakers who have like teenage daughters that are like, oh, that movie's over two hours. There's no way I would go waste sure. my time in the movie mm. theater when I could be like hanging out with my friends or on YouTube or doing these. Like I do think as a business and an industry and yeah, of course, there's going to be like John Waters night and like a few thousand people will go see it. But like the Barbenheimers, like unless that it's all Barbenheimers, then it just seems hard to figure out. Well, yeah, financially I, mean, I think it could be, it it be a lower rent. I guess like what I was saying is like that's not that it has to be John Waters. But I think that's again, I think where I'm hopeful because I feel like there's maybe this again, it's going to be tough. I'm not saying, oh, it's going to just be like roses and everything's going to be great. But I do think because everything has been so cut back. But when we start to see these like original things that maybe is a midnight screening or is an event style movie, like you're saying A24 movies, like people are that I wish there was more smaller movies that just did well, like in the old days. We're yeah. like, oh, yeah, word of mouth got around about this one little movie playing at this art house and then it got wider released and it's not going to be streaming for like a couple months. Like you're not going to be like, oh, I'll just wait till next week when it's on a streamer, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And if those movies only cost 10 to $20 million and they, I, in theory only need to make 50, 60 plus whatever they spend on marketing, you know? Yeah. I'm yeah. hopeful for that too. I mean, there's that whole, there's some Christine Vachon killer films interview mm-hmm. where she seems to think that there's going to be a resurgence in these kind of like mid-level films. And I just hope she's right. Yeah. I guess the the thing I'm most excited about actually is like advertising coming back to like the streaming services. Um, you know, Amazon Prime is going to have ads and like. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Can I just pause really quick? Yeah. The thing that I'm most excited about is advertising. Yeah. Well, for your yeah. commercial director, yeah. so we're, we're all praying praying for cinema culture to come back and Orange Live. Well, no, because yeah. <laughs> commercial no, is coming my way. The baby. big picture is I want somebody to be paying for us to make this stuff. You can't make. A hundred million dollar episodes of Game of Thrones reboots and not have have somebody paying six dollars a month for it, you know, like yeah, you need a hundred million subscribers, you know, and now they have to subscribe to like twenty different services as soon as you get advertisers like those 
the advertisers are paying for the shows. And yes, as a commercial director, it does. Yeah, I worry about commercials too. Like, you know, I think there was a time where it's like nobody, kids don't even know commercials, you know, like what mm-hmm. that is. Um, now they're on YouTube. What? On YouTube? They're on YouTube. That's where kids like. Yeah, see where they see commercials. Yeah. From a business standpoint, I want, you know, Nestle and Pepsi to pay for my Game of Thrones. Yeah, um, yeah. And then it, it's, it's not you keep onus isn't on us. Thrones, right. Like, uh, again, bring right, profitable. Crown, HBO was a profitable business, but just got yeah. by it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Game yeah. of Thrones is a bad example, but you know, some of these other shows that like these arrow or whatever, some of these like shows that had a ton of viewers that are, they're like, Oh, now we can't sure. sustain this very expensive show to make. Um, but, uh, I, I, well, what we're really, I think, talking about is that like streamers managed to dilute the value of movies, right? Mm-hmm. We're really talking about like, yeah, oh, we, would, TV. we wish that there were real marketing campaigns, right? Like, it'd be fine if Netflix put out a movie every single week if we could name most of them, if people mm-hmm. are aware yeah. of them and we cared about them, and in the same way that Noah loves talking about a movie af- after he sees it at the local art house theater. If it was a part of culture in the same way, none of us would be lamenting it. Do you know what I mean? Or that if like yeah. Marvel put out a movie and most people weren't like, oh, well, I can just watch that on Disney Plus, you know, in like a month. So why am I going to pay? Or if it wasn't the same bucks? plot of any, sure. any yeah. other movie, like Marvel movie that came out. But. Out of curiosity, <laughs> did anyone here watch The Holdovers? Yes. I right. haven't seen it yet. So, so I'm very curious about that one. It, Legacy Alexander Payne, who's been an Oscar contender every time he's made a movie for the last 20 years, right? Started as an indie guy. But the thing that's interesting about it, to Maureen, you made me think of it, the windowing is there, but it's very short. So it had a real theatrical run. We all heard of it, but it's already on Peacock. It was, it had, there was a VOD window of like maybe two weeks, and now Mm. it's streaming. And so, and it's probably going to be up for a few Oscars. And yeah. so, also not a, but not an expensive movie to make. I mean, un, except for sure. talent, maybe Paul Giamatti. Probably 10, 20 million dollars, like Carlin was saying. Right. So, yeah, if you can make a movie that we all care about and you can see it at home if you want to and capitalize on that marketing opportunity or watch it in the theater and it wins awards. That's that's interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's like those like salt burns like that. Like everyone's like, got to go see it, or even four things. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. like that. You got to go see it. In, like I think salt burn, you can go see in the theater still, but it is like it's on you can crime. watch it at home too. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. But I think there is a push to be. You should see it in the theater because it's more of a communal experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, people yeah. are ooing and awing and shocked in the audience. Like that's part right. of the fun. It's funny. I went to go see. I went to see poor things and I don't think I've laughed as like as hard as I've laughed in a long time in a theater. And a stranger came up to me and my friend afterwards. And she's like, hearing you laugh through the whole movie made my experience. I was like, what? Aww. And she's like, my friend and you guys were the only people laughing in the whole theater. <laughs> I was like, what? Really? Roxy, I feel like we haven't heard from you for too long, but seriously, like you're, I think of all of us on this panel you're the most kind of all over the place not in a not in a bad way but (laughs) but you produce you write you do a feature you go do a tv horror show like blumhouse thing or a eli roth thing in canada you you've done digital series you kind of every time we talk to you you're doing something totally different and i think 
I know I, I don't think I was on the last episode that you were on, but the episode before that, you had basically started turning down a bunch of jobs that you didn't want and then yeah. kind of had like this low point and then got like the best offer of your life. <laughs> um, yeah. And what, so where are you now? What did you do that thing? Are you still yeah. kind of saying no a lot, saying yes a lot? Are you? I, I don't know. I feel like I can't really contribute to so much of what you guys were talking about because I just completely unplugged last year. Like I know the strike was happening. I went out for the first few weeks, but it just made me so depressed. Um, and I, I had to, for the sake of my mental health, just like stop looking at everything. I know there's an oversaturation of content. I know that like I'm getting IP fatigue. I'm just not feeling as connected as I would watching cinema the way that I used to. I did make that movie. Um, I did an episode um, with Matt and I talked about all the trauma I had from it and that it was the hardest thing I've ever done and it really affected me. And then mm -hmm. I picked up crochet you know, um, where I have so much creative freedom where I can control it as a Virgo moon. I so, um, you know, I, I, um, a lot has been, you know, my movie just got into a big festival, which I can't announce yet. You know, I, I kind of hate Hollywood right now. Like I kind of don't love the system. Do any of us. Right. And I've just been really harnessing my focus on how to be creative in every moment reading you know, just really finding my creativity in every single outlet and being present in every moment. So I used to be, I mean, Carlin and Marino, I used to be such a fucking social whore. Like I was always out of community. I was always networking. I was always like, I was just like the freaking crazy person. And somehow this has just, I've just changed 180. And mm. I'm just being super intentional about everything I'm making, slowing things down. And yeah, now the work that comes, um, it doesn't really feel as high anymore. Every recognition, every award doesn't make me feel as, you know, it doesn't feel as good as it used to. And mm. now everything that matters is the work. And um, so I'm sitting with that, you know? I mean, yeah, I'm attached to a couple of things. We've been having a ton of meetings and it's the usual same old hurry up and wait thing, but I'm not insecure about anything anymore you know I don't kind of don't care because I know I'm good you know and like I know that I'm gonna create great shit like and everybody here will you know but we just got to stop playing into the system because it sucks right you just got to stand true to what you want to do I love what you're saying like the, yeah. the high it almost feels like you got over the addiction because we think yeah. working in this town is an, is an addiction it is <laughs> And then the you lows know? are the lows are low. You're just like, what am I doing wrong? How do I work the system? How do yeah. I work through this crisis now? This unprecedented collective thing that we're all going through, and I'm sick and tired of it. And so now I'm just I'm the happiest I've ever been this this past year internally because I'm like, okay, now I learned that I don't need to just always be hustling and chasing things. I can focus myself on this movie that I love doing, and you know, empower everyone to feel excited about it get everyone to bleed in it with me and then you will be rewarded because you did that right I know that everyone's like always be thinking about your next thing you know but like I was trying to get this job in Ireland I think um halfway through post and I like really wanted it because that's like you need that for you know we just need money to survive yeah and then I didn't get it and at first I was sad but then I had like all this time to like 
really slow down and pay attention to my film. Whereas in the past, I would have been like, okay, well, I think that works. Like, yeah, let's move on. Let's make that delivery. And I'm just, I feel like we just have to just strip that away. I mean, I'm reading this great book called The Path to Paradise about Francis Ford Coppola's, um, you know, experience making Apocalypse Now. And like my manager gave it to me. And, you know, he's like, you think that you had it bad when you were shooting Atlas? And he said, you're not alone. You know, like this was a thousand times worse. And, you know, it's like, this is part of your fight and you just have to teach yourself to be in the moment and just stay true to your art no matter what and just be you and just be Roxy and just, you know, just continue to do it for the right reasons. And so it's been like a complete, I know I'm always like the spiritual woo-woo person on here because um, I just like hate Hollywood like right you, now. I think you still are doing it like that because yeah. what you're saying is connecting to with me so much because I do yeah. think the thing that came out of Stripe for me was like, I started therapy. I like started working on like I had time because there was no work to actually do all of the like internal work that like I was always pushing aside because I was always hustling. And then I think that's why I had writer's block too, because I think my body and my brain was like, nope, like we're not going to, you're not going to just continue to feed the beast of like work, work, work. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to have to sit with yourself. And like, and I think that that's, that's also, I think what makes me feel hopeful is that I think a lot of people were going through that. And that means that yeah. everyone's art and storytelling coming out of it is going to be even better because it's everyone. I mean, not everyone, but the people that I know that like cared about that. Like, it's just, it's like refocusing on, like you're saying, your art yourself and what do you want to say and what stories you want to tell and who do you want to help? Yeah. Have you read um, The Creative Way of Being by Rick Rubin? Have you guys read that book? No, but all these TikTok clips are my favorite. They're pretty <laughs> good. Oh my God. Wait, I think wait, it I came just up have last to... episode, right? Oh. Okay, yeah. I have to just share this one thing I read because my manager also gave me this book. He's like the best. He's just like always giving me really good material. Aww. And you know how we experience writer's block and or we experience creative blocks in general. And sometimes in the past, I would be like, oh, I'm just waiting for that inspiration to strike once a year. And then I could poop out whatever it is that I want to write. But he said, um, inspiration is like the sun. Like even on a cloudy day, even if it's sunny, when it's sunny, you know, the sun is there, but on a cloudy day, you know, the sun is still exists, mm-hmm. right? It's just behind the cloud, but it's there. You just need to know how to access it. Right. So it's about saying that like creativity is like spirituality. It's all about faith. It's like not needing proof. So you can harness this at any time. You know, there's like, if you just eliminate the idea of a block, right. Mm-hmm. It's then we are able to access it in any single moment. And I don't know, this, I don't know if we're doing the unsolicited, uh, you know, but, but this is such mm-hmm. a great book because Unpaid it's like, endorsements, right? <laughs> oh, right. Unsolicited pick is my podcast too, Horny Goats. <laughs> Never mind. It's kind of like Julia Cameron's book, you know, it's just about how to access your Oh, source, the artist's way. The artist's mm-hmm. way. And it's on my moment. desk. Hold on. Oh my God. Morning pages. Morning pages, bitches. Bitches. The thing that I have been thinking about the most is this idea that I think when we all started, we had a a different idea of what a a directing career would look like, right? You know, you think you want to be a feature director or a studio director, an indie director, a commercial director, whatever, TV director, all that stuff. And they were all relatively siloed. You know, when we were starting, the idea that you could do a commercial and then you could go shoot a pilot and then you could go do a feature was relatively uncommon still. Like people were supposed to be stay in their lane so to speak 
and I think that the last few years have taught us that we have to have a a diverse array of projects going. If you have just one thing and that's the thing you're counting on, you know, if that doesn't pan out, you're in real trouble, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's good to to have a diverse portfolio, so to speak. But that as a result, it's hard to specialize, right? And we all have seen how it's good to jump around a little bit. You learn something on a commercial job that you can or, you know, put towards narrative or whatever. What I'm asking you all is what does a director's career look like now? Say you're young Noah here, right? He's at the the dawn of his career. Going to be 18 soon. You get to watch this rated R film. In a couple of years, I'll be able to drink. Finally, oh, you know? Wait, for real? No, I'm, I'm 26 years oh. old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my God, what? <laughs> I'm like, this is it's child labor law. Yeah, yeah, illegal. Um, but but so like what what do you what do you say to a young filmmaker or to yourself? Like what what expectations do you have for what you want your career to look like in this environment? I would say don't label yourself because um, I think once you say you want to become a director, all of these really high expectations naturally come to the forefront of your mind. You know, it's like um, what you need to accomplish, you know, these certain goals that you have to hit. And, you know, I teach part time at Art Center now. So I like talk to a lot of students with a lot of that anxiety. And I'm just like, give yourself permission to change any fucking time you want. Like, you're an artist through and through. You're a storyteller through and through. Storytelling can exist in podcasting, in filmmaking, in teaching and learning, in crochet and tarot cards, like whatever, you know, like don't let anything define that success for you. Like now I just want to direct maybe one project a year if that is mm-hmm. continues to be great because I don't want to be on set all the time. There, I said it. I'm tired. You know, I'm old. Okay. Like, I want to be a grandma. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to contribute all these other parts of, and I never knew this could be what this looked like. Like, when my director friends and I used to chit chat, I mean, when the film, uh, Home Fatales, you know, which is how I know Maureen and Carlin, it's like, we're just like, how do we get the next thing? Like, what are we doing now? What are we working on? And it's just this high stress environment when in reality, you know, it's a privilege and it's, beautiful you know and um if you let go of those expectations and you find that authenticity things will happen much more organically for you mm-hmm. and if that's true you know then things will happen guaranteed you don't have the more you worry about it the less it will come does that make sense yeah yeah it is interesting that you use the word privilege because I, I totally agree with you that it is like filmmaking is a privilege like none of us need to be making films that like the world doesn't necessarily have to have like the world will be fine if none of us ever made another film you know true Um, but we're it's a privilege that that we get to work on these things and get to like make believe for a living individually it is a it is a privilege for all of us i do want to push back on you know i think somebody made the point during the pandemic of like what what would any of us have done if there wasn't a TV show to watch or there wasn't a movie yeah. to watch or music to listen mm-hmm. to or a book to read, right? When the shit hits the fan, people need art, right? Yes. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's not important. I'm saying it's like, you know, the Craig Mazin and John August always talk about like getting into the, being a successful Hollywood writer is like being a successful NFL player, like sure, odds wise, sure. you know, like every, how many people want to be in the NFL versus how many people get to do it? It's like, well, 
Yeah, it's like I had a conversation with a director, a female director that was transitioning out of, you know, another department. Mm -hmm. And talking to her was like talking to a younger version of myself, which is so fucking weird because she's like, I just got signed. I did my first TV movie. Like, why isn't this happening now? Like, if they get me in front of these, like, TV show execs, like, I can show them I work harder than anyone else. And I will do it better than anyone else. And I'm like, you don't know that. What makes you think that you're better than anyone else? You're not. You know? Like, that's a, a, a thing I had to learn was everyone is different and everyone is great and everyone has their own tool belt and resources. Even if you fight for it and you push and push and push, like, that's not authenticity. Right. And you're also not creating more room at the table. You're limiting it. You are pushing other people out. Right. So if it's not me that's sitting here making this movie, it's going to be somebody else who looks like me, who has a different experience living in my skin and my hair color and my gender identity. That's going to tell something different, but it's still very valid, you know. So, yeah, like it's just such a dog eat world, dog eat dog world in this industry, which is why I hate it right now. But I think like that is what I want to change. You know, like that's not like, don't think that don't put yourself in the center of it. Like be honest, but use that instead. I totally agree with what Rox is saying, but I, but I guess I have a different prism, which I look through that from, right. Is that it is a privilege, but also we're sitting in a place that we did go through all that stuff to get to where we are. So I think it's harder for somebody out of the gate to be like, I'm not going to label myself. I'm not going to like do all the things that I need to do to like do the work to find out what kinds of stories and what I need to tell. And then the other part of that is we make the culture. So I want to change things because we make the fucking culture and look at all the culture that has fucked us up because certain people were the only ones getting to make the culture that we all eat and consume and believe and that this is who a hero is. This is who you should, this is the love interest. This is what this person looks like. And if there aren't more people at the table, again, telling stories from different vantage points and prisms, that's how the culture stays the same. And so I think we need all kinds of fighters. We need people outside the system. We need people within the system. We need people that are like, I'm an artist. You can't box me. And there are people that play the game, but like, you know, and so to me, I think when I would give advice to, and it's funny, somebody just asked me this at like a party. They were like, came over and they're like, I want to get in an industry. And I was like, they kind of wanted to do too many things. They were like, well, I kind of want to be an actor and I want to be a writer, but I want to direct. And I'm like, this is totally fine to not know, but like, you got to figure that out. Like, he's like, I, I do make content. I was like, okay, do you want to be a content creator? Do you want to be a storyteller? Like, there are so many things. And so if you're just using con, like I make content, I'm like, no, I'm telling you tell stories. Like it was, so I'm like, I think you had to figure out, yeah, what do you, what do you want to give? Yeah. And you have to figure out like, you know, for me, I think we're all the same where we all have done so many things. And so, so often when people would meet me, like, I'm so confused by you. You like did Jimmy Kimmel shorts. You do magical realist cupcake things. You do lifetime thriller movies. Like, what are you doing? You know, or like, and then it's only now where I'm like, okay, I come from a weird mixed family. It's like Irish Catholic, Indian Pakistani Muslim. I put things that don't go together and tonally make them work. Like, so I was figuring out like, yeah, why am I drawn to all these different things? How do I make that work? And so now it's like easier for me to be like, yeah, I did this and this, but the the through line is me. And what do I bring to the table? And so I think that's what I think is important is to just make stuff and figure out what you're trying to say. And make room for others because I hate the competitiveness, yeah. you know, like it's horrid. 
Yeah, there's room for everybody. Like yes, truly. True. But sometimes some people have to put some of that fucking pie back. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you got to the part you got to the party early and you took all the pie. And so don't get all upset. Like I think what our podcast is about, or at least what it's been about the last three years, is like how do we make this thing that we're so privileged to get to do and so lucky to get to do? And like Maureen is saying, it's fought so hard to get into the room and battled like the trends and did the labels and no labels and we do everything and we do nothing and saying no to everything and then saying yes to everything. Like, how do we mix this privilege of this career or of this of, of directing with making a career out of it with like Carlin, you the got married and bought a house this year. Matt had bought a house and had a baby last year. Like it's, you know, when at some point and the reason I, you know, like, I think it's fun having like Noah and Tyler on is because they are really young, you know, and they aren't as tied down to these things. Like Noah could go to Brazil to shoot something for two months tomorrow if he needed to. And I don't think that I could do it. Um, Spirit of adventure. Good for you, kid. Sure. Sure. Like, I mean, is it a young maybe, person's maybe. game? Because it is a privilege. And at some point you realize like it's you, you're done hustling and competing and you don't want to fight for the piece of the pie like every week or is there a way to um to just be happy and like do 20 years from now can you see yourself doing the same thing you're doing this year as a director and being like equally happy i see lots from carlin and marine i think yes i just hope i'm making a little bit more money doing it (laughs) right but how does that square with like the pie you know mm, i was yeah maureen i was thinking about sorry you go ahead oh no 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 go ahead sorry i was thinking about the thing you said about the pie and i've been wondering about that too and I, i'm just so in commercials during the strike uh i it happened to me i'm assuming it happened to Oren and other people like i i've specifically i can say this i was up for some job and then they called me and they said actually adam mckay is going to direct it and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Adam McKay's That's my stage this, like, name, by the way. Yeah, and I thought, I'm a huge fan of his. Like, I've, I've, but, and also, if I were at an agency in, who, who me? Someone you've never heard of, or Adam McKay, the Oscar winner? I would be like, absolutely, I'm going to go with Adam McKay. But then again, on the flip side, like, I said yes to a social media directing job at the end of last month, which is kind of, below me but i got i have a mortgage you know and i got it was i don't know and i'm like did i take the pie it's just complicated and i'm like are there is there there are some commercial directors that i know of that actually have helped bring up other like young people of color and women like and and will co-direct with them and then let them take the credit and that you know there are ways in commercials that i've seen this happen it's rare um yeah, maybe in TV. That I, yeah, I heard school. that. A, I heard that a lot. That like, I have a lot of friends. I, I tried to get into to commercials, you know, back into commercials this year and didn't work because this thing where everyone's like, yeah, yeah. The pe- nobody has jobs. I, I mean, here's the thing. I hope that in 20 years, if I'm at that level, I wouldn't. I don't need it. And if ever, if it's feast or famine, and there's a famine, I would hope that like, if I'm at a certain level, making yeah. a certain amount of money, that I would recognize that there are people that are that there's a famine. Yeah, and that I would yeah. maybe just pull back on my stuff, and I think mm-hmm. this too. Like right now, I'm like, and I'm not going to name names, but I'm like, sometimes these big, huge directors they're doing these huge, big budget movies. If I get to that place, I hope that like 
if I get a budget of like whatever, 250 million, I'd be like, can we just allocate 5 million for like a fun, cool filmmaker? Because you're going to make my movie regardless. So I need to leverage that Mm. for other people. So I think it is like, yeah, how much is enough for you? I don't know. Like some people are like, I want it all forever. Yeah. And maybe this industry is also feast or famine. So we have to like, you know, feast when we can because we could be paupers at any moment, but that's also capitalism. Like we're all always totally. in play. If, Yeah. When we are able to <laughs> Absolutely. see, we got a Robin Hood that shit, you know, we got a Robin Hood that yeah. shit. It's Not interesting though. It's, it's also just like interesting to think about and kind of notice in our own jobs and careers, you know, how is, how is that hierarchy yeah. and how do we, you know, and I know we're all conscientious people who are trying to help the next generation, but it's always good to think. And about again, it. I wouldn't also like, you know, when people do, again, I don't know, maybe I would do the same, but when I look at shows and I'm like, oh, one director's directing the whole season. I'm like, I know. They couldn't just like kick off, like, you know what I mean? I'm like, okay, that's great and great for you. But that also means that there's nothing for anybody else. Right. So I don't know. I yeah. think it's like the mindfulness of like whatever that means to you. I don't know. Mm. And that's like a personal thing. But I think that's a problem with capitalism too. Absolutely. I think as long as we're consistent. You know, you know, people do all these New Year's goals and stuff and they're so lofty. I read mine. I don't accomplish half of them. But I think like where we are right now, just keep moving, just keep going. Like, you know, things are going to be great for us. And I think recalibrating my mindset has helped me so much, you know, um, just seeing things differently and shifting my perspective. I really think that cultivating this attitude may be something that we can all do and help is that like. You know, I've had friends that they've met on shows and then they've told me that they're looking like they don't have to do that. That's putting out more competition. So it's like, oh, when someone does that to me, I'm like, oh, if I hear that someone should be good for that show. Sorry, like if I'm. So it's like there's like a show and a show looking for directors. Right. And so some of my close friends that have met on that show might be like, oh, this show's looking showrunner there's a spot they're looking for directors they have two spots open they have one spot open and so it's like i think our mentality would be like i don't want to tell anybody because i want to get it mm-hmm. i want it i want it i want it don't but I think spread the, the word open- that the show is looking for directors because i don't want that much competition right mm-hmm. the yeah. less competition the, the better yeah the and, right and i've had multiple occasions where women in particular have been like i've met on the show i think you'd be good too and so, and again, if I lose out on a show, I want it to be to my friend. I want yeah. it to be to somebody that like, totally. it's like, oh, I, I, there is like, I'm as happy for them to get it as I wish I did. Of course, we all want money right now because everyone is like in the famine phase. They deserve it. They're the right person for the part. Here's right. the thing that happened with a show that I... Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I can't name the show, but this happened. I was like, I really the wanted voice. this one show, <laughs> and um, a friend of mine was also up for it. And I was like, you know what? You haven't done episodes of TV. And I was like, she got a meeting, and I didn't. And I was like, damn it! But she's like, we have any advice? And I immediately was like, here's what I would do. Like, I would say this, this, this. I hope you get it. Like, and I was bummed I didn't get a meeting, but I was so happy that she did. And again, I'm like, I need a job. How do you and get it, a meeting if you've never directed episodic? How tell tell me the said, secret? She had a movie. She had a movie, and so like they, the movie is like kind of buzzy, and so it's it's even with that, it's hard to get an episode of TV. And in the end, she got the episode, and I hadn't heard that I got one yet, and I was like, I'm so happy for you. And I truly was. I was like, you know what? Like 
she has never gotten an episode of TV. Like she deserves it. Like she deserves it as much as I do. I'm bummed that I didn't get it, but she got it. And I'm, I'm truly actually happy for her. In the end, yeah. I, ent- I also got an episode, but I'm like, oh my God, I'm so glad that I didn't like withhold information or like be bitter about it or be like, well, if I'm not getting it, I don't want you to have it. Like, I think just that mindset mm-hmm. makes it easier for the, like when you don't get stuff. Especially yeah. if it's like people that you love and you know in this industry that are good people that deserve it. Yeah. You know, it's like different when you get people that you think are sucky and don't deserve it. You're like, you know, fuck them. But yeah, that's like, that's like, <laughs> like, that's like in like, um, you, you wanted to have justice, you know, it's like every choice. Like if, if someone's telling a certain story, like I, I also had a very similar experience this past year where I really wanted this movie and I was fighting so hard to get into the room. And I was like, why haven't people, how, why haven't they called me? Like, why have I not been given the script for this movie, right? I fought so fucking hard. And, like, this movie just needs to be directed by an Asian woman. And the announcement is that it's not, you know? And it just created, like, this flurry of just reactions from our community, right? And then I'm just, like, it's so unjust. Like, when it's a situation like that and you're just, like, how can they make a decision like this? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, that really makes me feel my blood boils. And I'm like working on my jealousy and working on my bitterness, you know, because these are natural feelings that you get because we're human, you know? But yeah, I yeah. agree with Marie. Sure. Like, you want to create that space and we're here to help each other and to love each other and to support each other because if it's not that, then we're not doing the work. You know what I'm saying? Because it's about all of us. Right. Mm-hmm. Again, and I want to lose out to people that I love rather than people that I hate. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Can we each just go through just one kind of specific ish goal for 2024? Something that we want? I can start if that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead, Oren. Go yeah, ahead. Get it, Kappa. <laughs> Take it. So I really, really, really want to make some sort of inroads to TV. It's something that like I've. I've been wanting to, you know, work in TV forever. I've done episodic stuff, digital series, go 90 shows, all, all the things I've worked with, you know, many actors and crew sizes and everything. Um, my wife is an actor has been in a lot of TV shows. Like I feel like from a skill, technical, like personality, tonal level, like everything I'm, um, I am ready, but you know, we talk about like when we talked about privilege, like I, I don't, I don't know why I would deserve it over anyone else, but I, I really want it, you know? Um, and so my goal for this year, I, you know, it's already January 4th. So I don't, I would love to get an episode of TV. I think that's a little ambitious, but I would at least like to make some inroads with, you know, I applied to this DGA mentorship program. We'll see for TV. We'll see if I, I still haven't heard anything. Um, other than I have like a scripted podcast that, Hopefully, if it's made this year uh, for Audible, can maybe, you know, if it gets any traction, can turn into a TV show. But I really want to like put out like a f- like like figure out some way into making TV. Um, ideally, it's getting an episode of a show that already exists because that seems like the shortest path. Um, but that that's kind of my goal. And last time I set a goal on this podcast, it took me like three years to achieve it. Um, but so- you achieved it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that's that's my goal for 2024. You can do it, Oren. That feels like a very achievable goal. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. give me the the guide map. You gotta have faith. The sun is behind. The sun is behind the clouds, Oren. 
that's but right. it's there. God Object permanent. Object it is. Permanent. I do believe that. I believe there's a way. I just have to find it. My uh, goal for this year is uh, to make my fifth movie. Like I have a movie that I've written that we kind of went down during the strike to stop writing, but we're back up. Um, and so that would be my, I hope to be shooting that movie next winter, probably the biggest budget movie that I've done. Um, but yeah, like so that's a goal that I really winter, want. Winter 2024. Yeah. It's like, a no, yeah, I need to shoot it in, in the snow. So, um, it would have to oh, be wow. in the winter, yeah. but I hope like that's good time to get the financing. And, uh, we have like, you know, Merman, uh, is producing it. So, um, we cool. have the script and stuff. And so, yeah, just to go get the money. So I need the money to make the movie. You awesome. will get the money, Maureen. You will get all the financing you will shoot in the snow. I need the billionaires. The <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. Roxy, 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 have you ever heard of Stars Collective? I went to this weird gala. It's just filled with Asian billionaires that invest in movies. So <laughs> they like invested in like 10 movies. So like go man like oh man. I, just I thought am of that. so good at talking to billionaires. I'm like, so <laughs> money. <laughs> yeah, believable. <laughs> I'm gonna need some training on this. Uh, I, I, can someone help me? What do you talk to billionaires about? Human rights? I don't know. Yeah. Human rights. Uh, uh, right. IRAs. Uh, going to space. Oh, my, mine's straightforward, actually. Um, the movie I've been working on that we've talked about for the last two years. This, this is the year. Making offers. You know, a lot, a lot of stuff has to happen to, to get it. But uh, this is the year. This is the year. The year that you go into production? Yeah. I'm just trying to be a renaissance woman. I'm just trying to do everything before I die. You know what I'm saying? Like that's your goal. Just, yeah, live in my 2024. Fullest. Yeah, live my fullest and best life. Just be everything and nothing at once. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a. I have. I'm attached to a couple of projects, pitching on a few, but there is this one particular movie that I am so excited to make, and um, uh, we're just trying to attach talent right now for financing, and I'm so excited about it. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to jinx it, but I feel like it's going to be good, you know? Um, and then in the meantime, still teaching my students and still, uh, I'm dropping Studio Roxy, which is my online shop. Just a quick plug there. You want to check out my question? <laughs> I'm going capital- to capitalize every single fucking hobby I do. Okay. StudioRoxy.com? Yes. Okay. Cool. R-O-X-Y. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay. Um, but, you know, I, I actually, I'm the happiest I've ever been. Um, and I think it's because I just allow myself to be fucking crazy um, <laughs> and unapologetic and exercising my no and also being rude as an Asian woman for the first time and finding it kind of liberating and uh, people take you more seriously and all these other things. Anyways, I'm rambling, but I think finding my true self, that is my goal for this year. You know, I too have sort of, I've had many, uh, I've talked about many movies that I've put together that have not happened over the years that I've been on this podcast. So I'm sort of done making predictions personally about like what I'm shooting this year, mm-hmm. but I do want, I think the thing that I, I can, I think at this point I can relax a little bit about my commercial career because I've made now three years in a row, a pretty consistent amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I'm my, my goal for this year is to trust that the jobs are going to come Maybe not as many as I'd like, and maybe it's not going to be easy. Who knows? But I, I'm going to trust that, that I will be able to get by on those jobs and really create space 
for my creator self because last year I really focused more on kind of making money and I got married and I bought a house and I like yeah. built my foundation of my life, you know, and now I have a wife, I have this house, I have, mm-hmm. I have, of course, roots. Now just, yeah. I have roots. And so now I feel like I'm able to like, just breathe a little bit. I have this new office that has nothing on the walls, as you can see. But um, yeah, I really f- I'm feeling like I'm ready to, to do really good work. I don't know how long it's going to take. And I'm realizing about myself, I'm not a writer that is super fast and that pumps out stuff all the time. But I think the quality of what I create mm. tends to be higher. And so I'm just going to keep pushing that. Like, I just want to invest in that part of me. Yeah. You, you know, Carlin, I think you've inspired me i'd gotten away from writing mm-hmm. you know i, I partially the, the things we've all been complaining about right like that yeah. churn that anxiety you know i'd wake up and i'd just start trying like pitching people you know like that that grind um if there was any other job that i had i would do that instead of writing and yeah. um I think also now the baby sleeps in long enough that if I wake up early, I can still like put in a real writing an session. Hour or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And so I've been writing the, this week and that's awesome. actually my, my, I don't want to say my real goal because I want to make this movie, but like the other one is just like consistently writing, putting in the reps. Cause you have control over that. Uh, Noah, what about you? So we're submitting the, the feature to festivals and stuff and kind of the main goal for this next year uh, is like getting into as many festivals as possible and just kind of doing that for the first time and experiencing that and trying to just like wiggle up to the next step of it all and just like keep going. Um, I'm writing my second feature right now. It's like, like the first one was this like two hander that's like really dinky and we made it for barely any money. And this next one is like a holiday movie with instead of two people, it's five people. So it's just like not being crazy ambitious. It's just like the next step and like a little bit more locations and a little bit more ambitious with like music stuff and what I'm trying to talk about. So just kind of finishing the next script and just making moves to try to make this next tiny budget movie just because it's the thing that I know that I'm capable of doing Mm -hmm. with where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. And then if anything comes along that path, like clinging to it and holding on and trying to make money and all, all of that stuff. But I like how you don't need any of our advice. Like you're like, oh yeah, but that sounds great. <laughs> slay, Noah, slay. You saw the name of the podcast and it all made sense to him. Do you, mm-hmm. you were flirting with moving to LA a little bit. Is that still in the cards for you? That's, that's the tricky thing. I swear I complain to you guys like every other month, like, man, I should just go to LA. Cause like, uh, like a couple of years ago, I like impulsively moved to Chicago and slept on people's couches and stuff, but it like really sucked. Um, and I had like no money, um, but it would be like this like entirely different thing. It would be like that, but like elevated because LA is even more expensive than Chicago and things like that. And but it's warmer. If I, if, it is warmer. Yeah. It's less cold. <laughs> less um, your whole sweater budget. Yeah. You take that uh, off. Way lower. But um, it's kind of like a we'll see thing. I do. It's definitely something I really want to do. But if I'm going to do it, I want to do it uh, smartly and safely and with like a a chunk of money to make sure that I'm okay. And like um, I have like a good support system here and kind of like a solid crew kind of situation where like if we wanted to make something in like three weeks or, or like a couple months, everyone would be down. It's just like figuring out the money of it all. And we could do another thing 
like we did with this first one. Where do you live? Where do you live again? Uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I feel like you're just starting a movement there. <laughs> yeah, that's I. It's it's like I teeter totter on it a lot, but it feels like the energy is kind of that's what's going on, and trying to stick to this like weird duplicism mindset of just like really just trying to you know dig your foot in the dirt and just be like this is where i'm planting my tree house we're gonna figure it out yes you know like we'll we'll build a tree house over here and just kind of figure it out or something you know revolutionary noah well that's great yeah i mean la is you know we like it just because it's where people try to take this hobby of filmmaking and turn it into a career uh tyler what about you yeah i'd say my goals this year i mean yeah i just moved here a month ago and i've just been like trying to meet as many people and like make friends. Um, and yeah, so I want to finish a feature script, which I've never done before. Like I've never really gone into writing. I did it in college and haven't done it since. Um, and direct some sketch comedy is kind of my goal. And moving here, like my, I made some friends that like, like, Oh, we should do some sketch comedy stuff. So no, you know, Oh, I don't know. Well, awesome. Do you all have a few more minutes just to do some unpaid endorsements with us? Roxy, this will be totally unsolicited. That's right. No, wait, I have to get the book. Unpaid endorsements. My unpaid endorsement is Ted Hope, indie film producer who ran Amazon, their film division for a long while um, and made it, but like he's the one who brought all of the kind of classic 90 directors, 90s directors over to uh, Amazon to make those movies when they were first launching. Anyway, he uh, has a Substack and a book called Hope for Film, but they also his his Substack is called Hope for Film. Like I said, Ted Hope, and he's got a uh, this list will change your life. It's a uh, a list of different 130 easy steps to make your life better as a filmmaker or any creative professional, mm-hmm. and it's filled with all sorts of just insight he's gathered over his um. His career, things like, listen before you speak. All hierarchies are false. Number three, keep the good ones close. Little maxims. It's a good way to start the year, just kind of reminding yourself of um, all of these little, tiny little lessons that he's picked up along the way that specifically are about being creative. And um, I think maybe kind of ties up a lot of what we were talking about. Staying grounded, opening yourself up to artistic opportunities all of that so okay um so this is a brand new book it just came out um last year or last year 2023 sam wasson's um book the path to paradise which chronicles what i said earlier about francis Ford coppola's making of apocalypse now and i think it has so much to do with what we're saying today especially like maureen you were talking about like how we can reinvent like hollywood and bring back art into cinema and like into filmmakers like this book chronicles so much of that and it's actually really moving to read because uh, Sam Lawson is like such a beautiful storyteller and the way that he tells like <clears throat> Coppola's story and like what he went through. And it's just to tell you that like filmmaking, even at its hardest, is worth it. <laughs> I'm laughing because I wanted to quit. <laughs> you know, like, but it sounds this beautiful. just goes to show you are not alone so no matter if you're making a 500 dollars feature or if you're making a 250 million dollar feature you're gonna have challenges and you're gonna have unprecedented shit happen to you but like mm. um, i just find it very I'm inspirational to sold i'm gonna get it 
Get it. And then yeah, we me can, too. We, let's so, have a book yeah. club. Let's discuss it. And then we could crochet. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> I will watch you crochet. Okay. Mine is a sort of illegal. <laughs> That's a really good go. way to start. Um, is it about fighting your traffic ticket? <laughs> is it about Noah being 17? Yes. It's about <laughs> Noah's youth. Yeah. Um, Let's buy him cigarettes. I didn't really think of a good one, but I'm just going to say something that has changed my life over the past two years, and that's um, psychedelics. <laughs> Sorry. I know it sounds like a totally bananas in Los Angeles. Uh, and I'm not talking about just like doing them with your friends, like at a party, but like with a guide and with a group. And um, it's really like nothing has changed my my mind more and in a really beautiful my cat is back there now in a beautiful way um it's like in a physical yeah i love to talk about this unfortunately plant medicine (laughs) 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 well here we go let's get into it i describe the differences between the like oh partying with your friends we're all gonna go see a movie or we're gonna go to a concert or whatever like the thing that people are probably pretty familiar with. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a whole group of uh, underground. They, and they, they're, it's only, I really think this is going to be legal pretty soon, to be honest. Like the studies that they're doing, Noah's, Noah's nodding his head. I'm curious. I'm down. Nothing has changed my my mind more in a, in a really beautiful, my cat is back there now, mm-hmm. in a beautiful way. Um, it's like, yeah. I love to talk about this, unfortunately. Plant medicine. <laughs> <laughs> Describe the differences between the like, oh, we're partying with your friends, we're all going to go see a movie or we're going to yeah. go to a concert or whatever. Like the, the thing that people are probably pretty familiar with. Um, yeah. I mean, what's... there's a whole group of uh, underground. They, and they, they're, it's only, I really think this is going to be legal pretty soon, to be honest. Like the studies that they're doing, Noah's. Noah's nodding his head. I mean, the studies that they've done with, yeah, with MDMA, with, with psilocybin, with all these things, like it's helping anxiety and depression and veterans and people in and, and unprecedented amounts. I mean, it's like this, these studies are going so, so well. Not that it could work for everybody. And if you should be careful if you've taken SSRI type of drugs, you know, if you're on medication, like that gets a little dicey. But um like the first time I did, like I done like shrooms with like friends growing up, but the first time I did it was like in a someone in a clinical setting with a guide who's sober, and I'm dosed a certain amount with an eye mask on for hours. <gasps> so it's like in a therapy. Mm. So it's like set and setting is, is really this expensive. Somebody, I, I saw this analogy on again. I don't like TikTok, but yeah, yeah. it was like they were trying <laughs> yeah, to describe. They're trying trying to describe like what it does, and they're like. And tell me if this, this is like a true analogy. This is yeah. they were like, psychedelics is, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Is that like when you're skiing, right? The gro- like yes. it's easier to ski down grooves, yes. right? Because the grooves, you it's easier. But then what doing psych- psychedelics is like a fresh blanket of snow yep. so that your brain can actually go and make new paths. They, they've hooked because- up brains to people on psychedelics. And like normally when your brain is firing, it's like going down these certain paths and there may be like, 10 to 20 paths kind of opening up, but on psychedelics, like hundreds of them are like online and you're creating hundreds of new neural pathways. Yes, that's right. So it does. That's how it helps you get out of like depression, anxiety and and trauma is like showing of your brain. Exactly. You're creating new grooves. We do like this is that I'm like, look, I know I'm like woo woo California these days, 
but about it, but it really, um, (laughs) it's really changed my life in a way that like, I'm just so much more present and satisfied than I used to be. And so is this covered by insurance? No, no, no. (laughs) She said it was illegal. (laughs) Technically illegal. Yeah, many things nowadays, unfortunately, (laughs) that are illegal are covered by insurance. That's true. Yeah. Anyways, Um, people can message me if they actually want to talk about this on Instagram. I want to go do it. Okay. That sounds fun. How much does it cost? Well, it costs not that much. Like, you know, it depends what sort of Like less than $200? I think if you're doing it with friends, less than $200. But if you're paying a guide. How much is this guide person? Well, you're also paying people for your time. And it's like a six-hour thing. Six to eight-hour thing. Six hours. I don't mind paying someone to, like, actually guide me through that. Right. That's where you spend the money. At least for the first time. I can't even watch Killers of the Flower Moon so long. It's a you journey for that too. Time, Three and is, a half hours. time is it's not the same when you're yeah. on sort of psychedelic. Time is a different thing. You know, you you won't be bored. Okay. Sure. Okay, Maureen, what's your hopefully more legal and more affordable? <laughs> Maybe mine ties into both Roxy's and Carlos. I can't wait. Uh, I think. I'm just trying to think of like, oh, what do I want to endorse? But I actually feel like in the spirit of also the anti-capitalism, but still artistic is, I don't know if everybody's watched I'm a Virgo yet, but I, I feel like that Boots Riley series is blew mm-hmm. my mind. It's like anti-capitalist. It's for Amazon. It's so creatively amazing. It's all forced perspective shit. Like it mm. just really like inspired me in a way that I haven't seen many things lately that even like his movie, like even the movie that he did, I'm sorry to bother you. I liked, but I liked this TV show much better because I think it's structured and it's just really, really creative. Tyler or Noah, who wants to go next? I could go if you want, Tyler, or if you want. I would love for you to go. Yeah. Okay, cool. This is Noah speaking, by the way. Yeah. I'm speaking. <laughs> uh, hi, it's Noah. I'm the editor of this of the show. Um, my unpaid endorsement is a silly one. I am endorsing High School Musical. <laughs> uh, the original? That's awesome. The, the original one. The three channel the, movie. Yeah. The first you know one's directed by. I know the choreography. Yeah. Uh, I, we, I, I forgot the name of the dude, but like he directed like all Kenny three Ortega. of them. Kenny Ortega. Kenny Ortega. He directed Ortega. the Michael Jackson documentary. I, I don't know much about him, but he just seems like a badass because I guess he also like choreographed like those movies too. Dirty Dancing. He used to be a dancer. Yeah. He's it's a like, legend. Hocus Pocus. He directed Hocus Pocus. Yeah. Uh, and he directed the Descendants movies and the Zombies movies, if you guys watch Disney Channel. Is that true? Okay, I haven't yeah. seen those. Uh, but yeah, his career is still blooming. Good, mm-hmm. good for him. He's hell really yeah. going to skyrocket soon. Yeah, yeah. Totally. He should give us some of that pie. Yeah, hello, yeah. pie time. I'll have some High School Musical pie. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, like me and my friend Jesse Carl, who's like the, the lead actress in like the movie that I did, um, we've been like watching like movies from like our childhoods and stuff and like high school musical is one of those like movies that's not like a you know an art house movie that you tell all your film friends at film school that oh this is the movie that made me want to make movies like high school musical is like the real answer uh yeah along with like other superhero stuff or whatever where it's like you're like a little kid and it made you like excited about like watching movies and stuff so the unpaid endorsement is like high school musical but it's also like go back and watch like these like little kid movies that like you watch as like a kid that like made you excited about movies. Uh, if you've had like five plus years of separation on them, I think it's like fun to go back and watch them with like, like a new lens. I think it's, uh, 
it was a really fun time and uh they're really like sincere and just like campy but just like really fun really good good movies I like that you had that because I just did that with Flight of the Navigator. I'm like, this is fucking dark. (laughs) Well, you're right. It's nice to go back and be like, this movie influenced me. Yeah. Spending time with their inner child. That's right. That was kind of the mindset behind it is like, is that? Getting back to your inner child. Yeah. I mean, Noah's pretty young. Barbie is one of the movies from his childhood also. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Boom. Roasted. (laughs) Tyler, one year older than Noah. Um, Yeah. Uh, Man, listen, all of these has changed mine. Uh, in the psychedelics realm, everyone should watch Fantastic oh. Fungi. It's uh, oh my it's god, so good. yes, that's so a good documentary. Oh. Um, Big into mushrooms. Yes, <laughs> it's uh, know, you guys. You made me lost me. I don't know. It's <laughs> this very is This is feeling like very like junior high stoner <laughs> science fair project. What's now. wrong with that, dude? Get a lava lamp. Get a fucking lava lamp. Let's reorder. Okay, Fantastic Fungi for the record doesn't really touch on psilocybin mushrooms. It touches on just sort of like the the magic of mushrooms in general and how they have neural networks and they talk to trees. Like mushrooms are really Yeah, we saw Last of Us. We get it, okay. Okay. Yeah, you're right. That was the last of us. (laughs) Yeah, mushrooms are so cool. They are very cool. cool. Wow. I really Um, this has been a great episode, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say addition to that, uh, Snacky clusters from Trader Joe's. Have you guys tried those? No. Oren knows all about snacks. They're they're amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The chocolate one. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. Noah, what is it like editing these like recordings? They're all over the place. <laughs> or maybe they, I don't know. <laughs> they are. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> wait, wait, do I do I get to go, man? <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Or, go for it, Oren. <laughs> uh I don't really have a good one. So I'm gonna give it to you. <laughs> uh First if of you all, say peach tahine snack rings, I'm going to leave. Have you guys heard? <laughs> oh, God. They're really good. Those, the peach rings. Well, first of all, Ridley Scott, do you guys know how he shoots movies? My friend did the BTS on um, The Last Duel or whatever that Matt Damon mm-hmm. movie was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was like, Ridley Scott has eight cameras with complete camera crews on every single scene. Whoa. He does like two or three takes of a battle scene and is like, we got it. <laughs> Let's move on. He's got, and I had heard that he had 11 cameras on Black Hawk Down, but uh, I guess he has like just a shitload of cameras all the time. And he's like, he says he, he told me he never worked more than 10 hours in a day. Mm-hmm. He just has a ton of He cameras. also comes in under budget, right? Which like. When Whoa. you're shooting a hundred yeah. million dollar movie, is Wait, a different deal for the action set pieces, right? Or like even for like talkie scenes. He said for drama scene, for like a drama scene, maybe he'll have like four cameras. But he has they have whole crews. Like each one has a first, second loader, camera PA, wow. whatever. Um, and yeah, and it made me think like maybe some of these epic movies that we think of, uh, you know, that are like I, th- I always think of wide shots as some expensive movies have a lot of wide shots and maybe it's just because all the cameras have to be far away so they, they don't see each other on these like hmm. um, Ridley Scott movies but also I watched Napoleon which everyone said is like so boring but I, I really enjoyed it I was gonna like do I work while I watched it. it on TV and mm-hmm. then I just didn't do any work I was pretty into it and if you're interested you should google Napoleon the third who actually had this giant reign and no one ever talks about him people only talk about Napoleon the first 
Um, but my my other thing uh, that I was going to talk about is: Have you guys seen the movie Dream Scenario? Oh, I really yet. want to. Damn, it's yeah. crazy. I loved it. Yeah, it's like I thought it kind of. I don't know that it went anywhere, like in the end, but. The movie itself is just so fun. It's about dreams. You know, Nicolas Cage just starts showing up in random people's dreams. And it's and people are like judging him based on what he's doing in their dreams, even though he has nothing to do with it that he knows of. Um, but the director his name is Christopher Borgley. And I think he's yeah. with Furlined is the production company he's on their roster, like works with. And on their Instagram, Furlined Productions, which is F-U-R-L-I-N-E-D Productions. The latest video on Instagram is like him doing a sleep test. He claims he's like practiced doing lucid dreaming for like years or for months to prepare for his movie. And they wow. connect these like brain diodes to his brain. And this guy interviews him while he's lucid dreaming. And it's you just have to watch it. Um, it's cool. just very That's bizarre. Cool. That's and cool. my favorite promo for a movie I've seen in a really long time. Um, and thanks, Blake Benham sent it to me yesterday, and he said, "What is oh. this question mark?" So thanks, Blake. It's also great. That movie's listening. a great commentary on celebrity as well. Yeah, mm. have you heard any interviews with the with the director about like why he wrote it? It was, was basically like he's like, my dad is just so confused by technology in the modern world, and I just wanted to make a movie about that. And mm. Nicolas Cage kind of represents his dad as this guy that's like, "What? I'm in your dreams. What? What? What am I supposed to do with that information? You know." Yeah, it, it's a really fun movie. And, you know, if you're into dream stuff, it's, it's interesting. Um, before we finish, can everyone just tell the listeners how they can find you online, who they where they should follow you, what's happening, what podcasts you're making that they should listen to? I'm Maureen Barucha. Instagram is the way to follow me, even though I'm just Maureen, a creeper on TikTok. B-H-A-R-O-O-C-H-A. Yeah. Barucha, silent H, naturally. Maureen Barucha. Find me on Instagram. I post too much. Find me at Instagram too, at Carlin with a Y Hudson. Um, I'm not on a ton these days, I'll be honest, but I do check it twice a day on my computer. So if you message me, I will look at it because I have no self-control and I have to take it off my phone because I start comparing myself to people. I feel bad about myself and it gets taken off. Love a self-aware. So the cycle goes. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, at Roxy She, R-O-X-Y-S-H-I-H, my <laughs> new crochet shop, Studio Roxy. Oh, Hell yeah. I am at Tyler W. Small on Instagram. And subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Super producer Tyler. I'm at Noah Bayshore on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want to follow me on Letterboxd, too, you could probably find me there, too. You can follow me across all social media at Mr. Matt Enlow. And you can follow the show at, at Just Shoot a Pod across all social media. You can email us at justshootapod at gmail.com if you want to drop us a line, you have something important to say, you want to pitch us, etc. Et Matt has left me out of the list of, of people, but I'm at O'Kaplan on Instagram. <laughs> Happy I New Year, everyone. You up. I queued you up. Uh, this episode was edited by Noah Bayshore. Sorry, Noah. Uh, <laughs> with producing by Tyler Small and Noah Bayshore. Uh, thank you to Roxy, Carlin, Maureen, and even Matt. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.